listening to First Church Charlotte. Several questions. Whether or not First Church people can bring their kids to Prosper University on Wednesday night or whether or not that was just uh, like a neighborhood outreach type. Uh, if you would like to bring your children, they are, of course, very, very welcome. Uh, the teaching quality, the mentoring quality across the way on Wednesday nights is very good. Uh, the kids are very well uh, behaved and, how, we say, how shall we say, regulated. And so if you would like to bring your, your children to that on Wednesday night, uh, they can bring their homework, anything they're struggling with, uh, anything they might not talk to you about is a great place for that. And so that is on Wednesday nights, Prosper University across the parking lot. All right, we are in the book of Nehemiah, chapter number eight, verse number six. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen. Let's practice that. I'm, I bless the Lord, and you say, Amen, Amen. I say, God is good. You say, Amen, Amen. I like that. While lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. So, my title today, this second Sunday of 2018, is this Let the Church Say, Amen. That's my title. Uh, there's a little old, old song. Uh, I, some, of, some of you know it, some of you don't. So um, I'm going to teach it to everybody. I'm not a singer, although I do play one on television. Um, the name of this song is Let the Church Say Amen. It was done, I think, by Andre Crouch back in the day, back when people were, had the real Holy Spirit. Nowadays, it's, uh, nah, it's not the real Holy Spirit. It was the real Holy Spirit back then. That's what you say when you get old. When you get old, you're like, oh, kids nowadays are just a bunch of fakers. So anyway, y'all fakers, listen to how a, the real Holy Spirit type song sounds. Give me a key. Let the church say amen. Let the church say amen. You feel the real Holy Spirit? God has spoken. Let the church. Amen. Oh, yes, Lord. See, when you're old, that sentiment just moves right in. You don't know if it's the Holy Ghost or sentiment. <laughs> Half the time you're being sentimental and you think it's God. <laughs> Let the church say amen. Let the church say amen. God has spoken. Let the church say amen. See, that's a good song. If you're in your car, you're just driving along, and you need to feel the real Holy Spirit, try that song. It'll work out for, for you. Before you're seated, put your hands together one more time. And give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. 
Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. All right, let's get started. Let me just say, as I often do, I love you all in the Lord. I'm so thankful for all of you. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to teach the word of the Lord to you. It's the best thing any of us can do is teach the word of the Lord. So I want to try at the beginning to read a passage of the New Testament that when you read it, it can sound a little bit complicated, but once you have kind of the understanding of what the author is getting at, all of a sudden it makes things very, very clear and it gives you something with which to have a little bit of joy unspeakable and full of glory. So Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. It's his second epistle. Paul has dealt more harshly with the church at Corinth than any other church. He has exercised more pastoral authority over the church at Corinth than any other church. Imagine that you've been called in to Pastor Nate's office, and you sit down at the desk, and he has that mean look on his face like his dad always had, you know, that tight side lip. You knew you were in trouble. You can tell who grew up in the church and who didn't. And now imagine that you have done something and you know you're in trouble, but you don't know what. And here the preacher has called you in for a rebuke. That's what Paul has done to the church at Corinth. His rebuke of them is quite public, not vague. He takes names and kicks rears. He is not playing with the church at Corinth. And you must, when reading the the epistles to the Corinthian church, you must remember that he has dealt more harshly with them. He's also given them some unique insights. He, He makes special effort to teach them to appreciate one another. He makes special efforts to get them to see the differences that exist. Corinth is a very international city. It has a very broad and diverse set of religious traditions. Uh, It's unique problems. It's a city known for its idolatry and known for its immorality. It is in Corinth where there are temples of so-called worship that really are pimp houses for the religions that they serve. I won't get any deeper than that. I'll let you use your imagination. That's dangerous. Maybe I shouldn't have you do that. And Paul deals harshly with them, and at the end of his, at the end of his epistle number one, uh, he doesn't think he's said enough. He has more to say, and so he writes the second epistle to them. I'm going to start reading at 2 Corinthians chapter number one, and I'm going to uh, read, skipping down. Let's start at 13, and then we'll skip down through it. For we write none other things unto you than what ye write read or acknowledge, and I trust ye, you shall acknowledge even to the end, as also you have acknowledged us in part, that we are your rejoicing, even as you also are ours in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in this confidence, I was minded to come unto you before, uh, that you might have a second benefit. I'm writing to you again to kind of finish up what I started before. It is that he is saying, verse 17, uh, there, when I therefore was thus minded, did I use lightness or the things which I purpose? Do I purpose according to the flesh that with me there shall be yea, yea, and nay, nay? Somebody say yea, 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 and nay, nay. 
For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, even by me, me and Silvanius and Timotheus, was not yea and nay, but in him was yea. Somebody say yea. In him was not yea and nay, in him was yea. Verse number 20. For all the promises of God in him are yea. Somebody say yes. All the promises of God in him are yes. And in him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. Don't miss the by us part. In him, all the promises of God are yea, but that is one half of a spiritual unity that is fulfilled in the church by us. Okay? In him is the yes of the promises of God, and in us is the unity of the amen whereby we give glory to God. I love it when I have an idea and I start to explain it and people look at me like, yeah, I didn't have enough coffee this morning. Okay, I'm going to read the same thing in a modern translation that is written to sound as though it were modern speech. This is the message translation. I don't do theology from the message, but if you understand the intent of the writers to make the gospel sound um, more conversational like they do when you read them in the Greek and the Hebrew, you can appreciate the effort that they made. I'm going to start at verse 17. Just listen. Try to have new ears if that is all possible. Are you you now going to accuse me of being flipped with my promises, Paul says, because it didn't work out? Do you think I talk out of both sides of my mouth? A glib yes, one moment. A glib no, the next. Well, you're wrong. I try to be as true to my word as God is to his. Our word to you wasn't a careless yes, canceled by an indifferent no. How could it be? When Silas and Timothy and I proclaimed the Son of God among you, did you pick up on any yes and no, on again, off again, waffling? Wasn't it a clean and strong yes? Whatever God has promised gets stamped with the yes of Jesus. Whatever God has promised gets stamped with the yes of Jesus. In him, this is what we preach and pray, the great amen. God's yes and our yes together, gloriously evident. God's yes and our yes together, gloriously evident. God affirms us, making us a sure thing in Christ, putting his yes within us by his spirit. He has stamped us with his eternal pledge, a sure beginning of what he is doing destined to complete. Oh, hallelujah. Okay, you're dismissed. <laughs> that is good, good stuff right there. And so, when don't ever be satisfied with a passage mostly comprehended. Find uh, uh, somebody who speaks the Greek and have them write a modern translation for you and let it speak into your spirit, not just the argument of theology, which is very important and as a church we will always value, but also the comprehending of the communication as if it were between brothers.
brethren or between sisters of faith. The pure communication of not just having a theological argument, but receiving into your spirit a larger comprehension of what is going on. This is what you need to see. There is in Christ Jesus the fulfillment of all God's promises. Can I have an amen? Ooh, if I'm going to preach on amen, you got to say amen better than that. There is in Jesus Christ a fulfillment of all God's promises. Amen. Mm, I might get to preaching around here. I want you to see this. There is in Christ the hope of every broken soul. There is in Jesus Christ the fulfillment of all the dreams of our religious fathers. There is in Jesus Christ uh, the promises of healing and promises of spiritual liberation and promises of Holy Ghost regeneration and promises of fleshly body resurrection. Oh yeah, I threw that one in there for free. There is in Jesus Christ, families rejoined back together in hope. There is in Jesus Christ, victorious young people who are not destroyed by the secularism of, a, of, of an age. There is in Jesus Christ, victory over of spiritual oppression. There is in Jesus Christ, freedom from drug addiction. I said freedom from drug addiction. I said freedom from drug addiction. There is in Jesus Christ freedom from alcoholism. I said freedom from alcoholism. I said freedom from alcoholism. There is in Jesus Christ freedom from oppressive fear. If you're living in fear, if you're bound in anxiety, I'm here to tell you, Jesus Christ can change everything about your fear. There is in him new life. There is in him new hope. There is in him new joy. I'm not tired of preaching about Jesus yet. There is in him regeneration of our spirits. Okay, I gave you some truth. Now I want to stir up your comfortable nest and tell you truth is not enough. Does anybody have a, a Bible with them? I mean, not an electronic Bible, an old school Bible. Stand up with that Bible. I want you to wave it. Wave it up here. Somebody say truth. Come on, we can do better than that. Truth. If you have an old timey Bible, wave your Bible. Get it up. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Somebody say truth. Then why do we have a world going to hell? You may be seated. I don't want your shoulders to burn out. Why do we have a world lost in sin? Why do we have a world full of brokenness and broken people? Why do we have so much pain? Truth's not enough. There is within the human heart the ability to wrap their arms around the truth, to receive a love for the truth, to buy the truth and sell it not. And there is a tendency within the human heart to uh, follow after the wishes of the flesh. Indulge the desires of the flesh. Stay up late watching Netflix and sleep in on Sunday morning. You notice the people who needed that? They aren't here. Truth, unfortunately, is not enough. I have good things to say about the truth. You cannot destroy the truth. 
There's one, I used to preach a message called truth crushed to earth shall rise again. And the whole point of the message was generation after generation, there has been every effort from spirit to carnal to destroy the truth. But truth crushed to earth shall rise again. This is not just a New Testament thing. This is an Old Testament thing. This is a whole story of humanity thing. You cannot destroy the truth. In fact, one passage says you can do nothing for the tr- nothing against the truth, but for the truth. You couldn't kill it if you tried. Why? It is settled in heaven. Someone say it's a God thing. Why is the world so filled with pain and loss? Because truth's not enough. You can receive a lie and love that lie as though it were truth. There must be in response to truth. There must be an upsurge within our hearts that signifies the great spiritual amen. You see, we often say amen simply or primarily means so be it. That is not an incorrect translation. That is a correct translation. But if you've ever looked up a word in a good dictionary, you will see that words have depth to them. They will have six, seven, or more hues of communication, hues of definition, and they have a depth to them, and you have to figure out how the the speaker meant the word, and you have to appreciate the depth of the word. And so when I say amen, although you say of me what he meant when he said that was so be it, you are not wrong, but there's more to the story, and that's what I want to share with you today, because if there's one thing that will make this year to come a powerful year for you, is if you can receive in your spirit a great Amen. I know God has spoken. I know healing is available. I know his work is mighty and progressing. I know there is victory for me. I know there is victory for my family. I know there's blessing. I know it's there, but there must be met with promise. There must be faith that I offer to that promise. God has spoken, and now let the church say amen. So, amen is a response within a church service, yes. It is part of church culture nowadays. Amen is how church people talk when they come to the church house. After you've gotten all sorted out and put on your best clothes, you've come to the church house, and amen is how you talk. And I want to point out something I had never really appreciated. You see, this past Wednesday night, we were talking in the Gospel of Mark, and the man said, help my, I believe, help my unbelief. And that got me thinking about how God identifies faith within us. We strive for faith, but we always are not uh, absolutely sure what that faith is. Sometimes that faith feels a little more like, sometimes that strive to be people of faith. We know that is the high water mark, and yet, and yet, and yet, and yet, help my unbelief. So I thought about this a lot this week. 
Uh, and so this, this word, amen, what does it mean? What does it mean when the church responds to promise in faith? What is it when the second half of God's kingdom is fulfilled by those who receive the word gladly? What is it that happens? You see, in Hebrew, the word for believe is, want to guess? Uh, amen. <laughs> it's just spelled differently. See, we say A-M-E-N, but when you spell it in Hebrew, you spell it A-M-A-N. So you sub the middle E for an A. But the word is almost identical. The word is, I mean, you can almost swap it out. You're even buying vowels, an A for an E. That was for the English majors. And so you see here this, this association. It's not simply so be it. It is very, very close. It is the not quite identical twin to the Hebrew word for believe, amen. A-M-A-N. It is directly related. And in the New Testament, when they say amen with an E, oftentimes it can be used not simply as so be it, but it can be used as truly, truly, or for you King Jamesians out there, verily, verily. If you're ever griping at your children, I found it great fun to throw in verily, verily. If you don't clean this room up, verily, verily, that iPad is going uh, in the trash. I'm always looking for reasons to throw away computer screens. It's just like a dad thing. Uh, <laughs> verily, verily, I shall beat thee to within an inch of thy father's life. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, we can use it as so be it. We can use it as truly, truly, verily, verily. Let me give you some scripture because I know how you love scripture, your church people. Matthew 17 and 20. And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall shall remove, praise the Lord, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Matthew 18 and 3, verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, that is, amen. Matthew 18 and 18, verily I say unto you, Matthew 24, 34, verily I say unto you, John 3 and 3, verily, verily I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. This is all the same word, all the same intent, all of the same language as a man. And so we recognize within ourselves that a man is more than church talk. Somebody say it's more than church talk. It's more than church talk. Now there's nothing wrong with churches having styles and cultures and tradition. All that's fine. That's a human thing. That's not a church thing. You see what I'm saying? Uh, but we should recognize the difference between a human thing and a God thing. But it's totally fine for us to have a style and a culture, and it's very, very fine. In fact, I feel like it's the will of God that when you agree with this preacher, you say amen. Amen. <laughs> 
You see, I think it creates a dialogue rather than a monologue. When you go to a church service and the preacher says something and the whole place is like, mm, word. You know you are in a house of unity and a house of agreement. You know that. You're not looking around to see who is disagreeing. No, that's what they do at political groups. We're not a political group. Thank you, God. Because the moment we become a political group, I'm quitting church. I said it right there. You turn this place into a commitment, a political group, I'm going down the street. That's all I got to say about that. What I want you to see is, amen is powerful. Amen is church culture, but it's more than church culture. Amen is when we are in step in faith with the promise of God. When our heart, not just our mouth, not just our thoughts, but emotionally, there is a vibrancy. There is a resonance. All of you probably are familiar with uh, harmonics and the function of harmonics. You can take a, um, a current and, and, and buzz it at a certain frequency in any type of of uh, um, a mechanism that vibrates according to the frequency of the current. And you can take that near a musical instrument. And if you vibrate at that certain frequency, the corresponding note, whether it's a string on a guitar, whether it's a string on a piano, it will begin to resonate. So you have so many frequencies over here, all of a sudden, you have all of this line, all of this line of strings that are at certain tunes. And the first one right here, it doesn't pick up on it. The second one right here, it doesn't pick up on it. The third one right here doesn't pick up on it. But the fourth one right here says, mmm. That guy can preach. This guy right here, he got nothing out of it. This guy right here, she's worried about whether she get her nails done on Tuesday or Thursday. This guy right here is thinking, if my kid doesn't stop squirming, I'm going to beat him. And this kid guy right here is going. But the point is, created the frequency at this dynamic, and it's going to resonate with a corresponding tune that is tuned to the same frequency. Let me point put a man in a different context for you. A man is not simply church folks saying amen out of guilt to something the preacher said. It's not just about church folks being guilted in the response by the preacher. Uh, you know, us apostolic churches, we can be real guilty about forcing people to respond. And I, I try not to do that because I don't want a church culture where I drive cattle. I want a church culture where you decided before you came to the church service... I'm bringing my heart to this place. I'm bringing my mind to this place. I'm going to resonate with what God is doing. I would rather have a dead church that was authentic than a loud church filled of fake people. You say, I don't think that's biblical. Well, that's because you're not thinking. In the Old Testament, God got sick of everything he told him to do. 
Why were they doing this? God told them to. Why were they worshiping this way? God told them to. Why were they sacrificing this way? God told them to. And he said, it makes me sick. Why? You've just learned how to go through a routine, follow a function, go through a motion. It's not a heart thing with you. And I'm sick of inauthentic religion. I'm sick of forms without passion. I'm sick of practice. Praise. That's what I'm talking about right there. When I have a man, not just in my lips, but in my spirit, they can do something that is in the will of God. They can do something that is according to the work of God. They can, I say they very broadly, they can simply love the Lord. They can simply have sincere praise. And what they are doing produces this Holy Ghost amen in me. Mm. Oh, when a church gets an amen in its spirit and not just on its lips. Oh, when people of God come into the house and they're not waiting to see what the band does and whether they like it, they've decided before they get there, this is my heart. And I'm offering it to you. When people decide, before they ever sing the first song, this is not about me, it's not about my problems. This is about the goodness of God in my life. You could preach from Genesis, and I'd be okay with that. Or you could preach from Revelations, and I'd be okay with that. Why? I've got an amen in my spirit. I've got an amen in my spirit. And so, let me give you some spiritual amens. Revelations chapter number 3, verse number 14. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. What are we talking about? I thought that a man was just something that we do. And here the writer of Revelations is saying as a way of describing the beginning, the word made flesh. Remember John starts his gospel. He's also the one writing Revelations. He starts his gospel. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. You get the idea. He is using the same language and he adds to the word and the beginning. He adds the great Amen. I'm confused now. Not saying much. I'm often confused, but I'm seldom in doubt. <laughs> You'll get that later. And so, <laughs> here you have the great amen. I am looking to God to see what he's going to do. And God is looking to me to see what I'm going to do. And I am, my eyes are fixed upon thee. I'm looking to God. Oh, I have no idea what you're going to do. But I know you're good. And every good and perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights. In whom there is no variables, neither even a shadow of turning. I'm looking to you in heaven saying, oh, we're watching you. Why do you think the ministering spirits that are engrafted in gold, engraven in gold, 
on top of the Ark of the Covenant are looking at each other. God's looking to us and we're looking to God. He is the source, but we are the glory. Oh, you don't understand that because I just, I just, I just. Could God show his glory in magnificent universes that sparkle from beginning to end? Yes, he can, and yes, he has. But that's not the glory he's chosen. He's chosen someone who's decided they're going to change their life. And by the power of God, they come to an altar and they say, I'm sorry of this mess I've made of things. Would you help me? And they get up by the act of their will, a sign of love. God's not forcing them. By the act of their will, they say, I'm going to serve my creator. I'm going to start making things right. I'm going to fix bad relationships in my life. I'm going to say sorry to people I should have said sorry to two years ago. I'm going to embrace purpose in my life for the first time. And you try and you maybe don't do as good as you'd like and so you try again and maybe you drop the ball and you try again let me tell every one of you who are still here today you've fallen many times but here you are in the house of the Lord I want you to see God has chosen you to show forth his glory And so when you people who chose to be here this morning, no one made you be here. You chose to be here. No one made you worship God. You chose to worship God. No one beat you about the head, neck, and shoulders to try to get you to worship God. You chose to worship God. You are the glorious global amen that expresses the glory of the eternal yes that's in Jesus Christ. That's what Paul is trying to say to you. And I want every one of you to see it. I want every one of you to understand it. Second uh, Corinthians 1 and 20. For all the promises of God in him are yea and in him amen. Whatever God has promised gets stamped with the yes of Jesus. That's the message version. And if you read it in the TV version, it says he is, Jesus is God's yes. So I want to say it like this. Does God care? Jesus is God's answer. Yes. Will God get involved in my life? Uh, Jesus is the answer. Yes. Is there hope for my broken heart? Uh, Jesus is the answer. Yes. Is there a future for me? Jesus is the answer. Yes. I have a message of hope to preach this year. Jesus means everything's different. Jesus means, yes, there's hope for you. Yes, there's deliverance for you. Yes, there's spiritual renewal for you. Yes, there's healing for your body. Yes, there's renewal for your mind. Yes, there's regeneration to your spirit. In him is not maybe yes, maybe no. In him is yay. And the church says, amen. That means whatever God's doing, I agree with it. Whatever God's doing, I agree with that. I'll tell you a funny story. I was preaching in Texas District. Texas District, particularly the West Texas, has a lot of people that, God bless them, but they, they haven't had a new thought since the 70s. They just have not. And uh, y'all don't send this uh, recording out to anybody out in West Texas. <laughs> I don't mean the preachers. I mean just the culture, the, 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 
the, the men. Uh, I preached in a lot of churches in West Texas where uh, there'd be 40 women and one man. I'm not even kidding. It's like a West Texas thing. Men don't go to church. Isn't that weird? At least they didn't go to our churches. I don't know. Maybe they went somewhere. Um, and uh, there was this, this, this pastor at a, a meeting, uh, a, a, a sectional meeting. And uh, he was really old. He probably should have retired. And God bless him. He was a sweet man. Uh, but he couldn't hear. <laughs> he couldn't hear what was said. And it was so funny. Y'all don't tell anybody I told you all this. Am I supposed to tell you all this? Okay. It was so funny. He would, At the district meeting, he couldn't hear what was said. <laughs> but whenever there was a pause, he'd raise his hand. And he'd say, I'm again it. <laughs> it was awesome. It was so much fun. I was like 24. I'm like, I'm, he couldn't hear what was said. And so he'd look around. I'm again it. <laughs> All the way home, I was riding with a pastor. I was preaching a revival for. He'd say, well, you're about ready to eat. I'd say, I'm again it. <laughs> anyway, I shouldn't tell you all that. That's a funny story. I guess the moral of the story, even us, even us preachers get old. And uh, so that, that's what happens. Y'all be sweet to us, okay? <laughs> y'all be nice to me when I'm old, okay? <laughs> I'm again it! <laughs> to this day, until that pastor passed away, that I was preaching before he passed away, but until this day, uh, or until he passed, I could call him on the phone. And uh, he'd say, hello, and I'd say, I'm again it. He'd say, Nathan Elms, how you doing? <laughs> Uh, I've known some people who their faith is about the equivalent of that. I, I do. They're just against it. They're just they're negative. God bless them. Lovely people in some cases. Well, I'm lying, but yeah, I mean well. Um, but in Jesus Christ is God's divine yes to you. And so all the questions you have, all the fears, all the wrestling, uh, there is a groaning in existence. There is a groaning in the pain of limited knowledge and what's going to happen. Am I, am I going to get laid off? Are my kids going to get sick? I had a dream last night that I was lost in the stadium and I had this little fat baby boy. I, he wasn't my baby boy. He was just cute, but he was a bad kid. He was a bad kid. just always running off. He's a little fat baby boy. and uh, might have been Brother Don when he was a little boy. I don't know, but it's a little fat baby boy. And I'm trying, I'm terrified I'm going to lose this baby in this huge stadium. I'm terrified. Life has a lot of fears in it. You don't even know. I mean, I, I just am terrified that I would have responsibility of a child and, and something would go wrong. And this little fat baby, I've told you about, he's crawling down this air duct. He's going to get stuck in there. I'm trying to pull this little fat leg out. Oh, my God. You folks are stressing me out. That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> There's so much natural fear and anxiety to life. Give me a good nod. Is it going to be okay? Jesus is God's eternal yes. Am I loved? That's a big, that's a big fear in our lives. None of us want to live unloved. Love makes the world go around. And sometimes the people you love will make you feel the worst. And they don't mean to. It's just they're the ones living by you and you get on their nerves. Even your kids will hurt you. They won't mean to, but they will break your heart. I've broken my parents' hearts at times. Am I loved? 
Is there a place for me? Is there room among church people for crazy people like me? Do I belong? Is there hope? Jesus is God's eternal stamp on your life. Yes. Yes. Therefore, let within all of our hearts be this shivering, resonating, God's going to keep me. <laughs> Amen. God's going to protect me. Amen. What's your greatest fear? Do you have a big fear? Probably something to do with your kids. I know. Your greatest fear. You put it right out in front of you. Your greatest fear. Is it going to be okay? Uh, the Lord's going to say yes, but you have to say Amen. Amen is not just so be it. It is, I believe. I believe. I believe. Let's stand. Would you step out of the chair you're in right now? Come come across the front as we always do on Sundays. We're going to pray together before we're dismissed. I feel the presence of the Lord here today. I I feel a beautiful touch in my heart of the love of God. And so I want us to, in this whole house here today, we're going to pray together. We're going to maybe pray one for another if it's appropriate. We're going to believe together. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Lord Jesus, you see the reality of every life that is here in this place today. You see the real, real realities that they're facing. Some of them are facing uh, health challenges. Some of them are facing uh, dilemmas of of making a living, career, uh, jobs, uh, finances. Some of them really, they, they don't know what's wrong, but they have this tremendous anxiety that is expressing itself through them and uh, uh, an oppression of, of depression, uh, anxieties, and fears, and worry. They're just tight. They're tight. They're always tight. They're always, they're always jumpy. They're always worrying. Oh, God. We know in Jesus Christ, we don't receive a, deni- a divine yes, no, maybe, kind of, perhaps. What we receive is a divine yes to all the promises of God. We know that, Lord, because the Bible tells us so. That's not the hard part. That's the sure part. The hard part is meeting your presence with a great amen in our spirit. Accepting your promise with a great amen in our spirit. Lord, I am praying today that this whole church would get a divine amen in their spirit. And they would resonate with the promises of God. They would resonate with the promises of God. In Jesus' name. All right, right now, I want to speak the promises of God in your life. And I want you to respond with a resonance in your spirit. A great Holy Ghost. Amen. So this is what I want to say to you in Jesus' name. 2018 is going to be a year that you spend in the will of God. Can anybody respond to that in their spirit? And say, Amen. I believe and so be it. 
large part of this year with a, a brokenness in you. Something broke. Something it may have been. It may have been. Uh, I won't get into the contexts of it, but something broke, and you've walked wounded for this whole year. And I'm here. Oh, 2017. I'm here to tell you, 2018 is going to be a year of healing for you. In the name of Jesus, it's going to be a year of healing. Can anybody receive that with a great Holy Ghost? Amen. for believed. Come on. We got at least two Bible scholars here today. Amon. And he amoned the Lord. <laughs> and God counted it to him for righteousness. Oh, there's more. One more, then I'm going to let you go. I know you're ready to go. Isaiah 53 and 1. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? What do you think which word is used for believed? That is a non-trick question. Who hath amond our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Let the church say amon. Get it out, shit up. 
should have, I should have did some Jamaican stuff here this morning. <laughs> Let the church say amen. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Find somebody, smile at him and say amen, brother. <laughs> Real quickly before you're dismissed, if you have a need here today, don't slip out. We have a pastoral team that will be down front here and they will pray with you. They will anoint you with oil. They will take your prayer request. They will prayer partner with you. Don't leave at the same way you came. Reach out. Press through. Claims of victory here in Jesus' name. God bless you all. Thank you for worshiping with us. Remember first steps, class, my small group, after the 11 o'clock service, 1 o'clock next door. God bless you. We love you. I hope to see some of you uh, friends and visitors there today. God bless you. You're dismissed. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, Come join us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road at the corner of Shamrock Drive. Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. And Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Online, find us at firstchurchclt.com or like us on Facebook or Twitter. We hope to see you soon. Come worship with us.